Hey guys, it's me, Katie. And if you are have been a listener of this podcast, you've probably heard us make fun of Dr. Melody for her love of the phrase of valuing all of humanity. Um, so we poke fun at it, but it is true that we talk about valuing people a lot because we actually do think it's important, all jokes aside. Um, but there's actually scientific uh, evidence to support why we should value people, what good that does for us, what good it does for the world around us. And Dr. Melody actually has a really awesome e-course called Validation Quotients um, that talks all about this. It actually gives um, the science as well as the scriptures for why we talk so much about this topic. Uh, so if you'd like to check out that course, you can do so at classes.givinglight.org. And if you use the code LIFEEXCHANGE, you'll get 20% off when you check out. So go learn about why this is something we talk about so much, and you're actually going to get something really good from it. I can promise you that. So again, classes.givinglight.org and use code LIFEEXCHANGE for 20% off at checkout. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome back to Life Exchange. Woo! <laughs> Yay! Yay. <laughs> Insert laugh track. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about how um, Mama Melody has been up since 4 a.m. doing coaching calls. And I just came out of studying the anger of God. So <laughs> it's going to be going to be an interesting... <laughs> No, we checked those well, things at the you're door. You're preaching right? soon, so is that is the anger of God going to be? It's about how God is slow to anger. Ah, yeah, so true. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank <laughs> you, Jesus. Stay tuned for that message. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what you were doing this morning, Joel. But we're all we're recording later than we usually do. So normally we're in the morning, so we get right to it. But today we were, we're later, so we were all in a different zone <laughs> coming into this. So we'll see if it pays off or not. Yeah, I, I like this recording around 12. See, then I had to stop what I was doing to, to shift. But you're, you always prefer later and we always well, prefer, I prefer later. Because I work on what I want to say Right before Oh, it. yeah, yeah. So if it's early, then I got to get up at like... He waits prettier. till the last minute to prepare for these. Yes. <laughs> so I do mine ahead of time, so I don't even remember what... <laughs> the hope is that I don't even ever have to look down at my notes if it's really flowing. But, well... Well, if we ever talk on procrastination, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to you remain silent. Be saying, oh, or you'll oh. be the expert on it. No, no, no I'll, I'll be here with a notepad no. <laughs> and be taking notes. Well, are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mama's been ready for a while. Yeah. Since four in the morning. <laughs> Since four. <laughs> well, today's topic kind of came out of some conversations that I kept having um, in the community, just with different people um, in our, we have a local pastors network. And uh, one of the recent meetings, someone just brought up how um, they don't teach you in seminary how to uh, walk with people who are going through hard things, going through pain. Um, 
going through really difficult situations in their lives. You know, you're, you learn all the right answers, but you don't always learn the, the elements of compassion and, and what it looks like, what it feels like to walk with someone through those really hard things. So that's kind of the basis. And I, I kept hearing that other places too, you know, there was a, another event where, um, it, it was, um, kind of a volunteer, a how do I say it? It was a community event. And all of these people kept coming up and asking for resources for mental health for caregivers because they are walking with people um, in really hard things. And here these caregivers are going, I recognize that I have reached my limit. I've reached my capacity. I don't know what what else to do. I don't know how to take care of myself. So again, it was just, I kept hearing in different veins and, and ways about how people are really um, needing help or needing support in how to walk with people who are going through hard things. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We'll probably hit different um, aspects. We, we kind of all have different experience. Um, Mama, you have had that caregiver role mm-hmm. in caring for your uh, sweet 99-year-old mm-hmm. Mama. Um, and, you know, I've walked with, um, actually quite a few, several close friends as they've gone through just chronic pain and illness. Um, and then, you know, Joel, the church aspect of, um, which we all have as well, but the, of, you know, people that you love, people that you care for, people that you are leading and that you're walking with that just go through life because life is just not always easy. So, that's kind of where we're going today. So, and I think culturally, uh, people feel like they have to put on a mask, uh, even if they are going through something. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, in general, it has been a part of our human experience to be able to connect with people on that level. Uh, and if they come and communicate, that kind of opens the door. But so many people hide that and we're, I think a, a good question to ask is, you know, when you see someone, what are, what are they experiencing in their life? Especially if you are aware that they're in some situations that could be very emotionally taxing or yeah. going through difficult things or going through a divorce or their, their kids are struggling because some people come and they have so many battles at, at home or at work but they come with the smile on their face at church and yeah. we're just not used to having that that freedom of even expressing when we do need some help. Yeah. Well, and to be super honest, sometimes everyone is going through something. Yeah. And so when someone brings something up, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, I'm going through my thing. I don't even know. How, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how to take on your thing mm-hmm. along with my thing. So it, it can get tricky knowing how to navigate these things because we are all going through something. Yeah. It looks way different for each person, different degrees of, you know, hardship, different seasons where sometimes you're going through a good season, sometimes you're going through a hard season. Um what does he Stephen say a lot when he preaches? Yeah. <laughs> I got issues, you got issues, all God's children got issues. Yeah. And it's it's true. We're you know, in the world we have tribulation. So there's things going on and we really celebrate those times when it's like, ah, I can, you know, I'm not facing any big things now, but that's not the reality for everyone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's an important question. Yeah. So So this is specifically how, how to help someone navigate their dark season 
That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, and how, yeah, how to walk with them through that. And, and I think it's difficult because sometimes you're helping someone when you're kind of going through some things yourself. Mm-hmm. So that even becomes more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And for me as a, a solutions oriented person, that is always my <laughs> my wrestle is I want to fix it. So if you if you bring me a problem, I want to fix it. And it will stress me out trying to come up with a solution for someone. Um, and so I've just, and I'm still continually learning what that looks like to yes, want the, the, want to fix it, want the solution for someone, but also I don't know what that looks like for you. <laughs> like, I don't know my idea of a solution might not be what you need or mm-hmm. want, or mm-hmm. I don't know all the dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not, that's been something for me to learn is not everybody's looking for a solution. <laughs> some people are looking for compassion. Some people, And sometimes I feel such pressure and such weight and such stress that I've had to stop and realize that I'm taking on more or different than I should be. Because if I'm carrying that, then I've made me <laughs> their answer. And that's just always going to be, that's going to, they're also going to be able to tell that they're going to be able to tell that I'm showing up with the, this responsibility and this weight and this heaviness. And that's not what they need. They need someone who can show up and, you know, be present with them and um, and just be able to love them and care for them, have compassion on them and hear what they're going through. So I just find myself all the time, like even this morning I was talking with a friend and I can tell, like I, I'm trying to make it better. And so my words get jumbled and I'm, I'm saying things that I go, why are you even saying like that? that? Why are, like that's, that was not a, great thing to say because I'm just trying to fix it rather than just letting it be <laughs> just being there and not needing to say anything at times. I think our propensity as human beings is if someone communicates or we are aware of something, we feel a responsibility to fix, to well, bring a that, solution. That was the question that I really had. Why do we have that? Yes. And I think when because we realize we a- that we don't have the power to fix, we don't even have that power. We, uh, Jesus is the healer. We're not. Jesus is the one that is able to take all things and turn them around for good. And that's where a lot of times we go, well, God causes all things to work together for good. And they go, you shut up. You know, right now I'm in the middle of this, but we throw out these scriptures as this is the solution. Or if you just, if this is what the Bible says, that's going to solve your problem. When in actuality, uh, if you just had more faith, it's just, you're putting these things out because you're trying to fix it. Or you don't know what to say. So you don't you, know what to say. So you just throw these things out when uh, the, of course, I've only been in ministry for over 40 some years <laughs> and I'm just discovering I can't fix. How liberating is that? I can't fix. I can't heal. I can't change anybody. You know, all I can do is just love. Yeah. All I can do is be present. And if the Holy Spirit inspires, that's beautiful. If, uh, But sometimes I think just simply loving and valuing and listening without the pressure to fix is one of the greatest catalysts of encouragement and healing uh, for someone. And, and I love this scripture in 
in, it's in Galatians 6, where it says to carry one another's burdens. And when you read that, you go, oh, yeah, I got to <laughs> carry this. Yeah. But it, it's not in that way. It says, so you fulfill the law of Christ. So I believe caring is caring, caring, not just carrying yeah. their load, but caring about what they're experiencing and recognizing when when it when we talk about carrying someone's burdens, it really does mean loving and caring and being present, uh, but not fixing. Yeah. And and you know sometimes just stopping and say, "Wow, let's just pray about this." Or, "Oh my gosh, I I empathize." I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. And 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 just to be vulnerable and just to even ask yourself how would I feel if I was in that situation yeah. is one of the greatest empathies a way of caring without fixing. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's important that uh we just take the pressure off of our shoulders. And if you're a pastor or you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you're a leader, you feel that's your job, but it isn't our job. Our job is to lead people to Jesus. He's the only one that can can do that. And just And really making it not about us. Like right. For me, that's just what I'm learning over and over mm-hmm. again. Because Very good. when like sometimes I do get overwhelmed because every phone call, text conversation I have is, hey, I have a problem. <laughs> and and sometimes people call you as a pastor because they have that assumption that you're going to be able to fix it. Yeah. Which even, you can't. Even as a friend, even like as, as a, a friend, as a, you know, a family member, like sometimes mm-hmm. I do, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is all I hear. Um, but, but I know now and I'm learning more and more that when I feel that stressed out, pressure filled, mm-hmm. um, heaviness that I'm making it about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even in a, like, Oh, I just need to be selfless kind of a way, but that I've put that pressure on myself. And so learning to ask questions like, um, you know, just, just, I just stop and go like, what is this person going through right now? Like it just, it puts me in their shoes for a second, like you were saying, or like, okay, how can I connect with this person? So just learning little questions to ask myself um, that it it takes it from, man, like I have nothing to give to, no, I do have something to give. It's just a shift in my thinking of, I don't have to solve it all, but what I do have to give right now is my presence mm-hmm. or is my time or is my like, man, that, that is really hard. Yeah. Like, man, I can't, I can't imagine what, like what that must feel like. Those things have been really helpful and I'm just learning them over and over every day is when I feel that, that self-pressure, then I've made it about me. Um, And instead just going, I don't have to fix it. I just, I need to ask myself, what can I do right now? What, how can I help? And then that's my, that's become my favorite question to ask people uh, is how can I help? Rather than me assuming <laughs> the what would be helpful for them is just asking, how can I help? A lot of times they're not going to even know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just going to want to tell you what's going on, um, which can be a little, <laughs> a little difficult sometimes. But sometimes I just go, how can I help? And they just go like, like man, I just need a hug or mm-hmm. like, 
you know, I just, I just need five minutes or I just need to know what to do. Like, like, cause when they say, this is what I need, that gives me instruction <laughs> where to go from there. When we take the time to understand and they know that we're purposing to understand uh, where they're at or what they're feeling, that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Because I don't even think... Now, some might go to a pastor because they assume they're going to have answers or, or that's their job or whatever it is. But I think for the most part, most people aren't expecting you to fix anything. Yeah. You know, be supportive and hey, if you have answers, if you have solutions and you're able to present them without it, without preaching it, or this is what you should do, or this is what you need to do, or <laughs> I used to get really upset at the shoulds mm -hmm. when people go, You should do this, you should do this, mm -hmm. you should do this. Cause I'm going, Well, <laughs> you should do it. Like, why are you putting that on me? I've got plenty to do. So right. yeah, avoiding the you shoulds. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked a lot about uh, resisting the urge to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say one of the ways that you can transition from that thinking is think of it more as I want to be a beacon of hope. Yeah. And be a beacon That's of wisdom good. or be a beacon of, uh, of truth. It's like the example of someone in you know, the ocean and there's a storm, you know, that lighthouse is the thing that, that they keep their eyes on to kind of like, uh, go towards. So in those situations, it's just about being that beacon of hope saying, mm -hmm. Hey, I know you're in a dark season right now, but there is a light, there mm -hmm. is hope that there, yeah. there is truth, there is wisdom. And that kind of takes the, the weight of trying to fix this situation mm -hmm. versus like, Hey, I know I, I'm not totally in this situation, but I can say there's hope for tomorrow, mm -hmm. uh, that there's a better future. Um, I know it seems impossible, but all things are possible mm -hmm. through God. Through God. Uh, so it's really important not to try to do it for someone, mm -hmm. but just being that light for yeah. them. And And one of the ways that you can do that is just don't assume that you know the situation, really seek yeah. to understand. Oh, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, asking questions is super powerful. Um, but I love that because hope hope is everything. I mean, hope is if you lose your hope, you're in a heart, you're in a dark place. Yeah. Like you, it's a scary place to not have any hope. And sometimes like the world shrinks to the size of your problem. The world shrinks to the size of what you're facing at the moment. And so asking those questions just to invite someone into hope, like tell I I love asking people or I'll say to people, tell me something good. Cause when you're in that hard spot, you can't even find goodness sometimes. And so just like, okay, let's work together. Tell me something good. Well, I can't, I can't. Okay. Um, look around the room you're in right now tell me something good in the room. Like it's, it's helping. It's kind of like spurring them on to get to that place where they can see hope. Okay. Um, tell me, you know, someone that cares about you. Okay. Isn't that awesome that they care about you? Um, tell me something that you find beautiful. Well, blah, blah, blah. 
oh, isn't that amazing that that still exists in the world? Like, tell me about your best possible day. Like, dream of your best possible day. Tell me what that would look like if there were no limits. Oh, isn't that amazing? We want to live for that day. Like, just helping people get there because sometimes it is hard to access that hope when you're going through so much. And so that's just something that I've um, kind of learned to step into is just helping them get there. Helping them find that hope. Yes, speaking it to them, for them, being that place of hope for them, but also helping them to be able to access it, even in little ways. One thing that I do with so many people um, is point out what is not just good in them, but how well they are doing. Because sometimes you feel like I'm not good enough. Uh, I can't do this. This situation is just too much. And say, well, what's happening? And they say, wow, that is amazing. Mm, Look how strong you are. Look how God has been moving in your life and what he's revealing to you. And people are usually really shocked when you do that, right? Like, do you find that? That that when you say that, they're going- Because you're pointing that out. Yeah, because they were so not thinking that. Mm -hmm. So just pointing that out really shakes- So when you can dig for the gold in them in the midst of their difficulty, so now what it's it's kind of going back to the hope thing, but it's drawing their attention to the good in them Mm -hmm. and even the good around them. Because isn't it true when you uh, if you take something, you you take a pencil and you put it far away, it Ah, it's just a little pencil, but you put that thing right in front of your eye. All you see is that pencil. And when we're going through difficult things, that is the thing that is like in our face. But there's so much more in our life right at that moment. So if we can just pull that object away from them uh, by pointing out the good. Yeah. Because many times we get discouraged, we get depressed because all our focus is on that one difficult thing when there are so many beautiful things that are in our life. Yeah. And if we can focus on the beauty of those things, that that helps bring the hope. That helps cause our perspective to shift a little bit. Yeah. For sure. Now in this question, I, I guess I was the one responsible for the role of the pastor. So I had a few things on that. Okay, cool. So I was thinking the first and foremost thing that you need to recognize is that you are representative of the heart and nature of God mm-hmm. as a pastor. Now that's no technically, pressure. what's that? No pressure. No well, pressure. <laughs> I was going to add that uh, that's technically true for all Christians. Yeah, yeah it's so true. But I think that there's probably a greater level of responsibility or expectation Mm -hmm. on the pastor. And I believe a grace. Sure. Because when God calls you there, he he places a grace. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but there is a degree of grace. Oh, there's times where I I had opportunities to walk people through some difficult things and definitely there's a grace. Mm -hmm. I will say it doesn't work if you're like Now's the time to turn on my past, put on my pastor <laughs> right, right. or, or this. It, it's something like the more that you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, because there's no cookie cutter solution exactly. to these things. So the more you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more it's not like turning it on and turning it off. It's just, 
becoming more aware of what he's saying. And the more you are aware through fellowship, the more in those situations, you know how to be that beacon of light. You know how to be that beacon of wisdom or of truth. Like, like I said, there is a greater expectation on pastors to, to do it the right way. And I don't know if that's always possible, but that, that is the goal, I guess. Um, but yeah, and it, it only works if, if you remain in fellowship and it's not just like, well, I got, I got to put on, uh, a hat that helps someone through a grieving period or, or whatever. It just doesn't work like that. Either it's natural to you because you are consistently walking in it or, you're just going to be looking for, you know, these cookie cutter solutions uh, for the right can, answer. People can feel if you're just putting out a cookie cutter solution because mm-hmm. there is no grace to it. No, there I is will no say anointing this, to it. Being a pastor, some people want their hand held through the entire situation and a shoulder to cry on. And some people, when you call them, they're like, well, why are you calling? <laughs> well, there was a, your, your mother Oh, I don't know why you would even call, you know? <laughs> yeah. So every person is so different. So, different. Yeah. Yeah. so that's why I said it's not a cookie cutter type of thing. Um, but the more that you can just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that only comes through fellowship and consistency, uh, the more sensitive you'll be to whatever situation you face. Yeah. But like I said, and this is true for all Christians, um, that we are a representative of the heart and nature of God. So that only works if we are consistently cultivating that within our lives. Yeah. Because I think you can tell when someone's just giving the right answer right. or, you know, <laughs> you know, you're in a situation like, I mean, it can't be about you. Right. Like in these situations, if you make it about you, it just gets messy. It's like yeah. someone's going through a grieving period because of a loss. And then they say something that challenges your theological perspective <laughs> on oh. death. And then you're there arguing about it. I was like, I think we missed the point here. Right. Uh, so it, in these situations, you have to take on the attitude of being a servant. You have to take on an attitude of a, a sacrificial attitude because in those situations, it's definitely not about you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, because, not, I mean, some people are highly uh, gifted in this. Some people really have to work at it. I would say most people have to work at it. But it, it just it just doesn't happen by chance. Mm-hmm. You have to cultivate these things um, if you're going to have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned through the years that when someone is communicating and it's like negative experiences or the, how they're feeling or whatever it might be, one of the the things, instead of trying to, once again, fix that or get them healed or get them to, uh, is, is to just say, my goodness, if I was in that situation, I would feel the same way. And that the way you're feeling is not wrong. It's just the way that you're feeling. And our feelings aren't always the reality of something, but those feelings are normal. Yeah. And I think sometimes when any of us are going through challenging emotions, it doesn't feel normal. It feels like we're broken. It feels like something isn't right. And when you can 
affirm to someone that they are okay, that those feelings that they're having in that situation are absolutely understandable. Yeah. It's, it would be normal to feel that way, especially if people are going through like loss and grieving of a, a loved one. Man, if if you're not grieving, if you don't feel that loss, then I would probably be more concerned about yeah. that you wouldn't be feeling that than something is wrong with you because you are. It's just a process of going through some things um, in life because sometimes we've just got some things that we process through Yeah, that takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Being sensitive to the one in front of you, I yeah. think is really important. Um, That's why I said it can't be about you. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that cookie cutter thing. Like the, the, the way person A grieves is way different than the way person B grieves. Like, That's and, right. And, and it's never going to be the same. And so just really being observant. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that is a skill that you get better at is is looking at a person, watching a person, not in a creepy way, but like <laughs> just observing um, the way they deal with life. How do they respond to things? Are they a person that like, um, you know, they bend towards anger? Like, okay, like what is the, what does this process look like for them? And then letting them kind of <laughs> navigate you through um, how to respond. Like, because, you know, like, like you said, the person who isn't feeling emotions, you would be concerned for them. Like, I agree for someone that could be just totally like suppression and they've just shut down. That's how they've learned to survive. That's yeah. learned how they've learned how to navigate pain in their life. Um, but for someone else, like they, they just might be more mm -hmm. resilient. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like it just is different for every single person and not treating one like I've seen over and over. I'm sure I've done it over and over, but like taking one person. So, oh, this worked for this person. I'm going to enact this plan, <laughs> this, <laughs> this four step plan again. That is not a good idea. No, no. <laughs> it just ends up hurting them and it ends up you just end up looking like a, a fool. <laughs> And if you're going to help someone or kind of walk someone through a difficult time, either physically, emotionally, whatever, you have to be careful not to put a timetable on healing mm -hmm. because your desire for them to be healed might be a little quicker than their mm -hmm. capacity to even yeah. function in that. I mean, when I um, broke my leg and shattered my hip, you know, one thing that Aaron and I really focused on was, Hey, I'm a little bit better than the day before. Yep. <laughs> and, and sure. There might've been days where it was like, Oh, I felt like that was a off day. Like I felt like I went backwards, but not, not thinking, well, I'm just going to be out running in a week, <laughs> you know, just realizing that it's a process, not putting a timetable on it, but just recognizing like every football player say, says at a press conference, day by day, just getting better every day <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so if you're going to help someone lead through, yes, I do think that there is an element where you need to be that beacon where you're moving things forward, but you can't necessarily necessarily put a time limit on it because right. everybody's different. Every situation's different. Mm -hmm. And and you have to be patient because love is patient. We know <laughs> it that. is incredibly patient. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how I taught it to the kids. Love is incredibly patient. 
Yeah. Not so, so patient. What? Not so, so patient. No, incredibly patient. <laughs> Not kind of patient. Incredibly. And it's consistently kind to all. <laughs> I know exactly the way I taught it to the kids. But yeah, I think as someone walking through someone, I think as that person being um, willing to sit in pain is also like, that's that empathy. That's that compassion is being willing to actually sit with someone in that place. Not mm -hmm. the same as that. Like not, yes, we have to have that hope, that future that all, always has to be there. But sometimes like, it's just like, well, slap a bandaid on it. You're going to be okay. Um, so, or being so consumed in it that you take it on yourself. Well, yeah, don't that's do that. the other extreme. Yeah, so it's just true. having the empathy and the understanding, but in balance that, yeah. that you, you're able to be that light yeah. and that you don't take it on and go, yes, this is yeah. horrible. Yeah. You know? How can you survive? Yeah. You know, or it's, it's not just taking that on and taking the responsibility of what you don't have the power to walk through. Yeah. Because especially it's their experience. Like with, like with someone who is going through chronic pain or illness, what they don't, I, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of the times they're not looking for pity. Right. Like they're not looking for um, you to just boo-hoo them and do every little thing for them. Like dignity is really important. Yeah. And I've learned that like, and and I'm sure like I'll still, if I see someone in pain, I'm still going to wince and they're still going to see me wince because I'm, because I'm a person and I feel that way. So I, I kind of do make it about me in that moment, but that's okay. I'm a human. No, <laughs> like they also know that's like empathy, that's compassion. They also know, like I, I'm there for them. Mm -hmm. They, they know my heart. So um, sometimes I'm gonna do it wrong, <laughs> but like I've also learned that like dignity is huge. If and it's like an older person caring for an older person. I see that with my grandparents who are in their 90s. Um, is sometimes people want to step in and do everything for them, and that is not <laughs> that's not kind to them. That's saying, well, I don't have anything left to give. So what am I here for? So instead, I kind of like, I tried my best to stand back and go, okay, can they do this for themselves? Do they have the capacity to do that? Is that the most loving, most, uh, is that the way I can show them the most dignity? Then I got to let them do it. Even though like my knee jerk reaction is like, let me do it for you. Or like, let me make it all better. No, actually just letting them live through their process sometimes is the healthiest way to go. I'm glad that you brought that up because it reminds me when I was going through my healing process, Aaron and I had to have a conversation about like, if I need you to do it, I'll just ask yeah. you kind of yeah. thing. Um, and believe me, I'm so thankful for her caring heart and she wanted to help, but it got yeah. to the point of like in some things, it's like, I'm a big boy. Yeah. Like I, I can do some of this stuff. So we had those conversations, but not, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. It's just, that was just the reality of the situation Yeah, where I said, you know, I'll let you know. Because as a, as yeah. a compassionate person, you do want to step in and do those yeah, things. For sure. yeah. yeah. But that's just something because I have walked alongside people in that kind of pain. You're just saying that's something that you want to be aware of not yeah. to cross that boundary. Yeah. And, you know, ask questions like, Hey, do you want my help with this? Mm -hmm. No. Okay which is hard for me sometimes, but that does, it's not about me. <laughs> As you guys were talking, a question kind of popped up. 
um, as you guys were talking, I was thinking, obviously, we don't want to take false responsibility. So what are some cases where when it when is it good or just or right to actually take responsibility in in a situation to help someone walk through a difficult season? Obviously, for me, it would be like as a parent to a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being in the role of a pastor, there is an expectation to do certain things, but like you have to recognize that I can't fix the right. problem, right? So like... When is it good to take responsibility or take the role of helping someone walk through these things? Because like like I said, we don't want to take false responsibility. As you process through situations in your life, um, the responsibility Like you had it in your mind that I'm going to take care of grandma as long as possible. Oh, yeah. My mom was never going to go into a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to do this. And man, I had the scriptures I can preach. But um, yeah, being a caregiver was probably one of... But it got to the point where it was better for her to be in a home then. And that's what really when it started, it it was it was good. I mm-hmm. mean, it was... It was my responsibility, not in this obligatory way, but in a very godly way. And there were so many things that I know the the Lord really gave me a grace. He gave me a love. Uh, I w- didn't feel angry once uh, in any of it. Uh, but it it began to become a false responsibility when it was best for her because I am not a nurse. <laughs> I, I, she was in pain 24 hours a day and there was nothing that could be done. Uh, just in so that many, environment. It, with, yeah. With, and yeah. I, so your sense of responsibility gave open door for not the best care. Correct. Even though your heart was too. Absolutely. I mean, there was things that I just didn't have the ability to do. And uh, and honestly, that was the hardest thing because uh, you stood over me uh, when I couldn't care for her and you just said, Mom, you got to stop this false responsibility. She needs this. Mm-hmm. And I knew 100 million percent that you were right. But uh, with the first year and a half when I knew I was doing exactly what was, you know, a role of a daughter. My mom gave her whole life to us. Mm-hmm. This this is an honor. And I remember once the uh I was I was in this and I was processing uh, you know, caring for my mom. And uh, the Lord took me to the scripture. I never thought about it till I was in this situation. Because, you know, when you're going through those challenging seasons, when I say challenging, doesn't mean that I didn't want to be there, that it wasn't an honor, but it wasn't my typical lifestyle. I wasn't <laughs> used to having a buzzer 24 hours a day whenever there was a need, you know, to go to the potty or whatever it might have been. You know, I, that wasn't my lifestyle. And I had a business and being in ministry, I, I mean, couldn't you come to church. Yeah, you weren't even able to come to church. I couldn't, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was a priority. But the uh, the Lord took me back to when Jesus was 
uh, hanging on the cross, and he looked down at John and he said, behold thy mother. Mm-hmm. And it hit me, oh my goodness, one of the last things Jesus said, one of his last thoughts before he died on the cross was his mother. Mm-hmm. And it just rocked me to the core in such a beautiful, beautiful way. I'm going, God, what an honor. If Jesus so valued his mother that that was his last thoughts, then I want to value and honor my mom. So I think uh, in the midst of the difficulty, I think it was the grace of God that never allowed me to, I don't want to say never allowed me, that there was never anything inside of me that was angry. Um, But it was very difficult. It was very physically difficult. It was emotionally difficult. Um, I had a mom that's a mover and shaker. Mm -hmm. I mean, 95, she was still driving. She was getting people saved every week, you know? And uh, to go from that to uh, needing care 24 hours a day was not just difficult for me. It was difficult for her. Yeah. Because she was not used to being dependent Mm -hmm. and she hated being dependent. And um, so in the midst of all those things, it did, there came a time when I knew, Melody, you can't do this. And uh, that was horrible. I mean, Joel, he he heard me crying and crying. I mean, I I cried and cried and cried. I remember when we we did find the nursing home um, and... I went down and I put my head on her lap and I just said, Mama, you know, uh, you know, we found a, a place for you because she, well, we had a person who was a nurse in home care and said, you, you this can't be done at home. I mean, yeah. there were so many things that this is, you can't do this and because they as a nurse couldn't do it 24 hours a day. And, um, and I put my head on her lap and I just was crying and crying. I said, mom, you know, uh, this is something that is needful for you. And it's just, and she's like comforting me. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know? And I was a mess. I was a mess for weeks. Uh, even now just talking about it, I want to cry. Um, cause I love my mom. And, uh, but what is so beautiful is she is now, pretty much pain-free. She has 24-hour care, what she needs when she needs it. And she's still got fight in her and she's still got purpose in her. Um, you know, she asked me to buy her a hundred tracks, Billy Graham tracks. <laughs> and I bought her a hundred tracks and in a week and a half, she had given 75 away. And there's only 60 <laughs> residents in this nursing home because a visitor comes to visit someone, she gets in her wheelchair and she's headed over there. And, um, uh, you know, she, she said, if I, because she wants to go home, but she said, if I got to be here, I've got to have purpose. She wants and to go home to heaven. She wants to go yes. home to heaven. Yeah. And, but she told me, she said, I need to be here. She's told me that a couple of times. I need to be here because she is pretty much pain-free, mm-hmm. not a hundred percent, but pretty much pain-free. And she gets like actually healthy meals, which I cooked and I don't cook for myself. And I, so I was like be cooking for her. And she's like, I don't like this. I said, I don't blame you. And, um, <laughs> but now she's getting these amazing meals and she don't like them either, but she's just lost her taste buds. Yeah. But she um, has a resident drug dealer. Yeah. 
So, you know, like I've, I've been there. I've seen the good of it. I've seen the challenges of it. I've seen the joys of it. But I also recognize when it was, went past righteous responsibility to false responsibility. Um, and that's where I put it on myself that I have to do this. This, this, if I love my mother, this is what I must do. When in actuality it, she was down to 80 pounds. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just was not, it wasn't good. And, uh, now she's like 91 or 92 pounds. Yeah the best way to care for her, the most loving way to care that, for her that was, was to love. change the way that yeah. it, the care was and, happening. And she even told me that uh, when actually Joel took her, um, drove her there to the, the home. And uh, so she felt like she was being abandoned. Yeah. You know, that she was being, you know, rejected and abandoned. Um but she didn't tell me that until she was there a couple months and realized, wow, this is the best place for <laughs> me. And she said, I felt that way, but I know this is this is good. And she she is so beloved there. And God is using her there. And she said, I never realized at this age that I would find one of the closest friends in my life, which mm-hmm. is a l- little lady named May, you know, and they pray together and and uh so God's still using her. and But that transition from assuming righteous responsibility that we all have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. That's my response to my ability. That's what responsibility is. Moving from that to where it moves into a false responsibility where if I don't do it, it can't be done. Or I am the only one type thing. Yeah. And... That's kind of where the line is there. But in that season where I was her primary caregiver, there is such an amazing compassion for me, for those that in me, for those who are doing that, because I realize it is 24 (laughs) hours a day. It's your whole life. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different, but um yeah, it stirs compassion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, nobody could have given me a solution for any of the challenges I faced. Yeah, uh, And I think one of the biggest challenges that I faced was I felt I wasn't good enough. And uh, the fact was, I really wasn't good enough <laughs> in some things. Other things I was good enough. I could, was good enough in loving her and all those. Uh, but I was not good enough to give her the need, you know, to meet her needs physically, you know, yeah. uh, with the things she was dealing with. And that was a battle because even when I knew I wasn't good enough that I couldn't really give her what she need, needed, it became very egocentric yeah. for me at that moment because I really have failed if I don't continue. And that's where my son, in all his wisdom, kind of spoke truth well, to mama. Well, it also came down to near-death experiences. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah, there was other dynamics there. But he just got strong and he said, Mom. I wasn't the only one that got strong with you. No, my daughter, my two wise kids. Yeah. <laughs> and... um but yeah. Yeah. 
And so how? But, but that w- what's powerful about that? That was support. Even like, you know, Joel being strong, mom. This false responsibility has got to stop. You cannot do this. And that was love. That was him loving me. Yeah. As well as loving my mom. And um, and the fact was, I knew he was exactly right. But by him doing that it validated what I already knew. Well, and sometimes as a caregiver, you do, you put your needs so far behind that you you end up putting yourself in a, a compromised position. So yes, even, that's true. you know, even as a caregiver, somebody who's like, I'm going to do this no matter how hard it is. And you, you see that as your responsibility. It might be your responsibility, but then it is also, it's like that, you know, the airplane goes down, you put your mask on before you put, the next person's on. It's like, you do have to have those people to, to step in and go, Hey, if you don't take care of yourself, you're both headed down a bad path. So, and see that might not which is sound essence what he it, was doing. It might not sound like empathy or compassion, but, but it's it is. most empathetic, yeah. compassionate, loving yeah. thing that you can do yeah. when, when it is reality yeah. when it is true when it is and as a damaging. caregiver you have to let those con- like you have to let those people say those things yes. to you because yes. um like if you don't um it's almost like we it's it's not about like self-care at that point like you know you hear the like oh self-care like no, no if you don't take care of yourself at some point you're gonna need care mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not gonna be able to be to help the other person because you need the help yourself. So it is letting those people speak in and say, Hey, you got to go take a nap <laughs> or like <laughs> you need to, you need a break right now and letting those people do that. Cause if you're that in their caregiver position, like you were, you might be like, no, 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 no. It's my, it's my duty. It's my responsibility, which okay. But also you have to realize your side of it as well. Yeah, I wasn't good at that part. Yeah, that's why I'm like <laughs> saying it. Yeah. So Katie, how do you guard yourself from false responsibility in the role of a friend? I mean, like we were talking with mom about like, this Caregivers. was family. Mm-hmm. That's who you have. You can't, you know, they are what they are. You know, your family is, you got them. You know, friends, you can always find new ones. <laughs> You can always find your way out of those. Yeah. I think I am a person who is going to stick through thick and thin. Um, and I think that's it. You you make a choice to um, that you're going to be there for that person. Um, it doesn't... How to not get into false responsibility. I mean, I guess if, I, if I'm taking home that... Mm. That... Well, Wait. how do you know when it's your responsibility to even do something in in the role of being just a friend? I mean, if if I'm saying that I'm their friend, then I'm going to be their friend. Well, there's levels of friendship. Yeah. I mean, when you initially asked that question, not specifically to friendship, like I was just thinking of the prod of, um, not the prodigal, the good Samaritan mm-hmm. and um, I think a lot of times it's the spirit. Like if if I um, cross by and I go, well, that's not my responsibility. Then to me, that spirit is not the spirit of a believer. Um, or if 
um, if I walk by and I go, well, they did that to themselves, they deserve it. That spirit to me is not the spirit of a believer. Um, so the good Samaritan, even though he had no real responsibility, he didn't have the religious, um, rules that told him that he needed to care for that person, he, you know, but he cared, he had compassion. He took care of that person. Does that mean that every person we cross on the street, we have a responsibility to do that for? No, but I think that's where that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit goes. If, if my spirit is to have compassion on people, then when I feel like Jesus moved with compassion towards Ooh, a person, there you go. then, then I have a, that responsibility um, to deliver his compassion to that person. And I don't have a responsibility to fix them. It goes beyond emotion to where I believe it's a highly spiritual uh, attribute of God mm -hmm. is that compassion. And if you think about the miracles that Jesus performed was when he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Mm -hmm. So when he was very aware of that compassion rising in him for the brokenness of others, then there was a response to his ability. Yeah. And it was inviting them into God's compassion. Yes. Like God, you know, mm -hmm. moved on their behalf. So, I mean, if you have a propensity to uh, function in false responsibility, navigating this will just kind of be like as reason of use. Like the more you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the more you'll recognize, hey, this is the Lord leading me versus um, my bleeding heart. Yeah. For all of humanity, yeah. not pointing any <laughs> fingers at anybody. Are you looking at me? I'm not looking at the one that I'm directing this to. <laughs> I was oh like, that, those eyes belong over there. But. Well, that's where I go back to response to ability because I recognize in some situation, I don't have the ability. I mean, for me, like speaking of recent history in the last couple of weeks, I've been in so many meetings about so many issues, mm -hmm. both personal one-on-one -on -one meetings, as well as, um, you know, bigger community issues. And I was finding it like hard to go to sleep. Like I was finding it hard to rest, hard to turn that off because my, and for me, it's not as much of like, you know, some people are empaths and they're just easy to feel the feelings of another. I'm not really <laughs> that way. Um, so it wasn't the emotional side, but my brain was going, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? And so to me, then I was going, okay, this has crossed into that territory of I'm trying to take it on myself. Right. And that's where, when I sense that, um, is that like, the definition of false responsibility. I don't know, but it is stepping into that territory. So for me, that's when I have to go, God, I give it to you. Yeah. I give it to you. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You've already been in the future. You've already worked all things together for good. Like I have to turn it over to him. And that to me is, is when it stays on my shoulders, right. then it's false responsibility. Yeah. Very good. But Katie. just like Jesus led people into the compassion of the heart of God, that's what I have to do is respond in that way. Give it to the, the author, give it to the source of compassion. Yeah. You have to understand when we talked earlier about a pastor or, or just as a Christian, we are representatives of the heart and nature of God. That is true, but you do not have the capacity to carry the weight of the world. Right. Oh. That's only God. Mm -hmm. God can handle that. So 
Yes, it's true that we are representatives of his heart and his nature. True. But we do not have the capacity to fix the world. We do not have the capacity. Yes, in a micro sense, Mm -hmm. but in a large sense of taking on the weight of even societal things, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means that you don't have the capacity to function in the role of God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is all wisdom. We yeah. only have a little bit of it, right? So we just ask Holy Spirit, what's my part? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we do have a part, like I do yeah. believe that. Like yeah. when we give it to the Lord, yes, we're giving it to the Lord, but that doesn't remove our part. Mm-hmm. So I go, Holy Spirit, what's my part? And if he goes, right now you need to go to sleep. <laughs> and in the like in the morning, we're going to face another day and I'm going to lead you in that day. Like, so it's just following again, like you said earlier, the, the more you cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive you are to him. Well, a funny example, uh, this was a, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, six months ago, I don't know when it was, but it was like one in the morning, I got a phone call from someone in the church and I woke up and I was like battling. It's like, I am not going to call this person back at this time. And I was battling it, but you're a pastor. You need yeah. to be. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I am going to wait till tomorrow and I will reach out to them. Yeah. So I went and I was, and I was battling with inside. I should be doing something because I'm a pastor. This is what I should be doing. Someone might need me at one o'clock in the morning. And I just felt like, no, I'm not going to do this. I reached out to them the next day. They said, Oh, I accidentally dialed your number. <laughs> And so I was beating myself yeah. up over nothing. Yeah. Over a butt dial. Yeah, over a butt <laughs> dial. Yeah. Hey, this is a family friendly oh, show. <laughs> okay. I got butt called yesterday. Oh, there it is again. Oh no. We're gonna have to put a parental advisory on this. But do you understand the point that I'm making? It's like we can put all this stuff on us and yeah. say, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And yeah. in this situation, yeah. I didn't need to call back. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but because so it, my perceived idea of what I should or shouldn't yeah, do. Exactly. I like what you said earlier when the weight is on my shoulders, yeah. that is false responsibility because yeah. that is beyond us. We are not omnipotent. We are not, you know, mm-hmm. we're not God, but uh we do have the spirit of God inside of us and we can become very very aware of the unction of the spirit of God and when it's a response from uh from, uh, I want to say God's heart or a response from our heart, but the, the more I'm personally growing, I recognize that there is just some ways I have thought throughout my whole life that I thought were the spirit of God. And it was more, I was trained as a kid to accept responsibility. (laughs) So I spent my whole life assuming responsibility for things that really were not my responsibility. uh, Because if I didn't do it, I should do it. I must do it. And it became obligatorily. And if I didn't do it, then I was wrong or Mm -hmm. I was bad. So one thing that I've learned is whenever I feel this push, this pressure, this drive, this have to, this should, this must, that man, that is coming from Melody. That's weight on Melody's shoulder, you know, that. But when it's like, wow, this is the good thing. This is a thing that will create value. This is a thing that can touch their heart. This this is a manifestation uh, from God's love or from my love. 
because he has never said you can't love. Mm-hmm. And if love is there, I'm going to love, right? If um, if my heart is drawn to them, I'm going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And not obligatory, not because I should or I have to because I'm a pastor or I'm a parent or I'm a, a leader or whatever, but no, because... I, I sense this, my heart connects to them. I'm probably more of an empath than, you know? <laughs> yeah. And when I sense that, I respond to that. And I don't think anything negative have ever come out of it for another person or for me when it wasn't, when I didn't feel pushed or driven, but when it was just a response from my heart. Mm-hmm. It always produces good. Not because I have the right answer, but because someone knows that I genuinely do love them. Sometimes it's like, I have no clue what to do. And I tell them, <laughs> I, said, I, I don't have any answers, but I give them a hug. I kiss them on the cheek. You know, I, you know, I just stop and pray for them or I, I reach out and I do what I know to do mm-hmm. because some things we don't have the answers for, but we can pray. We can love. We can can give someone a hug. You know, we can give them a kiss on the cheek. I know I'm an old lady. I can get away (laughs) with that stuff. But, you know, I can do that. And sometimes a hug can be the most healing thing because, wow, she, she actually cares. Yeah. And sometimes that's all people need is just a little bit of love. Yeah. But that isn't driven. And I think that's the difference when you feel driven and pressured. And if I don't do it, I'm wrong. If I don't, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to answer a call at one o'clock in the morning. And, um, uh, you know, things like that, you can feel the pressure. That's not what you want to respond to because as you do that, people will feel you're doing things obligatorily. Yeah. Even though you're not saying it, they, they can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So that won't heal. That won't help. You cracked me up when you said that hugs have healing coming from a hugger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Aiden. My son's like, he's like, don't touch me. I don't like to be touched. You know what? I was like, I got to because um, your wife will thank me, <laughs> you know. Well, I'll tell you with Aiden, he sees me. He comes and reaches out to hug me. Probably because he knows if he doesn't do that, You're I will do come it. A- <laughs> I mean, he never ever resists a hug from me. And uh <laughs> I just there's healing in hugs. Uh, yeah, there is. I was there waiting is, for yeah. science says. So uh yeah. So I, well, you know, it probably well, does. Probably I'll have does. to research that, touch, you know? Depending what <laughs> But hey, you know, if he sits there and I massage his feet and you know, do all that stuff, of course he's, you know, gonna want to respond. Yeah, with a he hug. likes getting massages, so yeah. I don't know where the no touching thing. Yeah, he's in jujitsu. <laughs> That's all there is is touching. <laughs> yeah, he well, looks like he, he Maxwell. Me. He does not like people roughing up his hair because that's what every adult wants to do to a ten-year-old boy. But when he is feeling affectionate. If he like puts his hand on my shoulder, I'm like, oh, that's big deal. Don't, don't move. Mm-mm. This is this is a rare moment. <laughs> yep. When he comes after to initiate a hug, I'm wow. <laughs> I'll drop everything to take that hug. You know. Now, Layla, you just say you want to cuddle. <laughs> yeah. Her, you have to go. Okay, let me go. <laughs> You're hurting me. <laughs> Yeah, she's bigger than me, so her hugs sometimes. She like, hurts me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I have a sister that 
I go, hey, I don't want to pay for the chiropractor tomorrow. Please let me go. <laughs> but hugs, hugs do heal. Love does heal. So do we have any more references on the gluteus maximus? <laughs> <laughs> any other ones? Um, no? I could, but it's going to go downhill <laughs> real quick. So sometimes that I have the humor of you, a, you, a six-year-old boy. <laughs> so All right. There was a, I was driving. Oh, I'm going to do it because this will be, this will show my colors after people hear me talk all these serious, deep things. And then they hear these things and they go, I didn't know that was the same person. I was driving to New York and I passed a sign for a town called Buttsville. And it cracked me up <laughs> so bad. And I had to tell everyone, did you know that there is a town called, I told your children, did you know that there's a town called Buttsville? Well, so, I think I stated this last time. Layla was looking at our navigation screen and there was a, a street called Dam Street or Dam oh. Road or something. And she was very surprised <laughs> that this could be possible. <laughs> Don't let her drive through Lancaster County. <laughs> oh, do they have a lot of... I won't even say Yeah, them. we won't say the oh. names of their oh, town. intercourse yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that in Amish Mennonite country, there is yeah. All these a town called Intercourse. Right, and so. some other And there are others. <laughs> yeah. What are those? Oh, I'm not going to say them. <laughs> I don't want to say them. <laughs> yeah. We're just towns. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Hey, we're going to go downhill. I think it's time to close this episode. Well, life flows downhill, doesn't it? No? Maybe. Does it? I don't know. I was like, where's hey, that coming Not from? all my wife's statements <laughs> land. I mean, I don't. Life flows downhill. Well, yeah, gravity. I mean, I if mean, you think okay. about Who's getting scientific now? <laughs> Well, well, there, those were our thoughts on uh, <laughs> what was the topic today about walking with people who are going through pain and kind of like false responsibility. We kind of went into that a little bit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> See, that was I one hope of those you got the answer that you were notes. looking for. <laughs> I hope you were entertained. Are you not entertained? Hey, maybe you've not been in that place and now you have a little bit more insight into what that is like to be that person to walk yeah. with someone. So, and some people go through life oblivious to everybody else's problems. That's true. And you're like, how that's can, true. That sounds amazing. How How is that possible? I don't know if that sounds amazing. Doesn't sound biblical. No. <laughs> Well, I was going to go, well, I wasn't going to go off, but I was thinking of like the diagnosis of uh, being a psychopath. Like they have zero empathy. Oh, yeah. Kind oh, yeah. of like. Yeah. So that's not, that's not good. I mean, but in some ways you're <laughs> like, that's kind of nice, you know, like, <laughs> but it's not good. Believe me. Trust me. It's not good, but sort of it's kind of good. So. There are days when I, I wish just, I had a video of that so we put on there just your facial expressions and how you were doing that really showed that you were being well, you funny. Well, you know, I, I've struggled with like caring too much about what people thought. So like part of me is like, man, that diagnosis sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Nah, it's not. It's not. I, I get it. You're not I a mean, psychopath. you can be a functioning psychopath, but... 
I don't know. I watch too many crime things. So, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. And when I go to bed, I'm like, why do I watch these crime things? I don't understand. Because you wanted to be a policeman. I when did. You were it's young. fascinating. But when you're like, I can't go to sleep now because. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's like dealing with fear stuff and only listen to true crime. And I said, do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> The self-awareness is probably pretty low. <laughs> well, now they're aware. I went, no. I went maybe don't listen to exclusively that. So then they changed. <laughs> My daughter's pretty self-aware. We were watching this show. It's called Body Cam, and it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, they show situations where police officers were in, and you, you see all these things. Um, and she's like, nope, not watching that. <laughs> That's not good for me. (laughs) Maxwell is fascinated by it. And Aaron watches it. But I wonder why she does because she's super invested and she's bothered by it. But it's kind of like you can't look away. But (laughs) my daughter is very self-aware. It's like, I can't be putting that in me. As a kid, man, if I remember there were like teenagers like huffing on an episode of something. And I like couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares that night. They were huffing. Because of that. So I was very, hide your kids, hide very your wife. sensitive. Wow. Yeah. All right. Did we do it? We did it. Is it words enough? Did I say it yep, correct? It's words enough. Okay. That's it. I'm getting better after it's not how many episodes? It's not words enough. <laughs> That's not what it oh, is. it's not words enough. No. What is it? Words are done. Wait, okay. No, well, I guess it'll no. take a few more episodes till I have it. Words is done. Oh, words <laughs> is done. Okay. Someday I'll learn it. You Some, don't you don't even have to. That doesn't have to be our it doesn't have to be our catchphrase. <laughs> there was this worship song that I like to do, but all the grammar police, it yeah. was very painful. Uh, the words were like, fear doesn't live here no more. No more. <laughs> fear doesn't live that here no more. That one did always more. bother me. Yeah. It's a powerful song, but... <laughs> if you can get past... If you can get past the... Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about, uh, you can send them to lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. That email is in the show description. I would prefer topics over questions. Yeah, that's kind of what we're moving into a little bit. Yeah, because this whole Dear Abby thing, I mean... (laughs) There's just too much unknown nuance with questions. Yeah, it's like... Like we we don't see you in front of us. We can't ask follow up questions. We're we're just we, doing I, our best. I can't see your face when I give a snarky comment to <laughs> be like, oh, that might have been inappropriate. I don't know. Yeah. So let's do topics. So like more general top. Well, it can be specific to you, but yeah. just we're just gonna talk Say, about it and maybe I we'll have hit a what you want. That. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So more like, hey, can you talk on? Love. Or, oh gosh, maybe a little more specific uh, okay, than more specific. the most broad category. Can, can we give like ideas, like what a topic could be? Yeah, the one we had today. What's that? How do you walk? But oh, that was a question. You can still choose. Like if you choose the Kansas City Chiefs, this is going to be a one voice podcast. So something maybe that, a two voice podcast. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'll just set that one out. Uh, yeah. Or you wouldn't talk about them because that would be superstitious. (laughs) I can't talk about that. uh... All right. Well, send us, send us what you got. And then if we like it, we'll use it. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Does that work? 
works works for me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time, guys. (laughs) Oh, my. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.